Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Be Unique Radio's Manifest Monday with Mary Brotherton. On Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern, Mary and her guests share manifest success stories and tips for how you can learn to create the life you've always wanted. Jillian Harris is with us the second Monday of each month. The Conscious Cougar herself and our generous sponsor will join the show. You don't want to miss Jillian's dynamic personality and manifesting knowledge. Now grab a pen and paper for Mary's phone number, then just call her with your questions about manifesting and the law of attraction. Here's that number, area code 516-418-5651. Don't be shy. Good morning, everybody. It is uh, May 22nd. 2023. I am live at 11 o'clock here on Manifest Monday. And today I'm going to be talking about the seven steps to help you set your intentions. And if this sounds like a familiar topic, it's because a few weeks ago I tried this and I was having all sorts of technical difficulties and I just wasn't able to get the show going more than like five minutes. So I will be talking at the end of the show with callers. So if you want to call about your manifest journey, here's my number, 516-418-5651. I have been hearing a lot of podcasts and a lot of uh, YouTube videos where they say, let's dive right in. And I kind of feel like that's what I need to do today, just dive right into these seven steps. The first step that will help set powerful intentions is to create a ritual. Now, you don't have to create a ritual. In fact, I had a conversation with myself recently about this. I have lots of ritualistic things. I have crystals and gemstones. I have uh, beautiful intention-setting sprays. I have one called Divine Balance. I have another one called negativity purifier. I I have sage and um, beads and stones and altar cloths and grids, all sorts of things. I don't use them as often as um, some, you know, I just don't use them that often. I have drums even. Uh, In fact, I'm going to be creating uh, my own drum, my own spirit drum with Mike and Angela from Spirit Rising Florida in a couple of weeks, and I intend to use it a little more than I use the one that I currently have, because it'll be one that I will have created myself. I'll give birth to this drum, and we'll see where that leads me on my shows. Sometimes in the past, I have used my drum on my show. Uh, Today is not one of those days. But you can create a ritual or not, if you think you can do this without the ritual, then by all means, don't employ the ritual. One of my rituals is using my manifest journal. And I know you've heard me talk about that quite a bit. But if you want to create a, a ritual to manifest more powerfully, this is the ways you can do it. 
set aside about a half an hour for an appointment with yourself so that whatever you do, you can do it without interruption. Switch off your phone. Ignore social media. Tell your family and friends you're busy. Say, I have an appointment. No, I'm not leaving the house. No, I'm not going to the doctor. I have an appointment with myself. Or you can go away. Get out in nature and do this if you want to. Walking away from your family and friends for half an hour or uh, taking a drive and setting this up makes more sense to you. Do what makes sense to you. You will need your favorite writing utensil. It could be a pen, a pencil, marker, paints, crayons. It could be your finger in the sand. But you might want to use some paper or a notebook. If you promise not to allow any distractions or notifications to distract you, use your computer. Whatever you do, be prepared to write. Prepare your favorite drink. Now, I tell you, I love doing things like this with a fresh cup of Evolistic Living's GAT, good-ass tea, or Sam and Angie's Psychic Blend. You might want to bring a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, fresh water, or something else. This is your time. Make it whatever brings you joy. Right now, I'm just drinking a cup of Sweetened tea with homegrown key limes in it. That's what I wanted this morning. If you want to use essential oils to add to the atmosphere, here are two that are especially helpful to support intention setting. Wild orange and frankincense. Personally, I love the smell of frankincense. And together with the wild orange, that's very powerful smell, and the aroma is amazing. Um, light some candles if you feel so inclined. If you are like my husband and don't like the smell of burning candles, of any flavor, fragrance, or no fragrance, scent-free, light a um, battery-operated candle. You can drape a scarf over your lamp if you have a lamp in your area, and create a little added color that way because the colors help with intention as well. Whatever you do, take this time to relax and allow yourself to dream. Part of the power of the ritual is that it can ignite a fire within you and make you more excited to create a life you love. I'm always excited about being able to create things. I love doing this show. That's part of my Monday ritual is doing this show. And yours could be listening to the show. Whatever you choose, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, just choose it. Your life will adjust in proportion to the consistency of your daily, not weekly or monthly or annually, but daily habits and rituals. You may want to do your specific manifest ritual once a month, every new moon, every full moon, every quarter, every day. You could do your ritual every hour, every minute. In my mind, I am currently sitting on the beach surrounded by 
lighted candles, and there are stones and seashells all around me. I've made myself the center of a mandala. In my head, I am seeing the universe open up with each wave as it comes to me. And it takes my intention out on the outgoing tide, and it brings me the life I want on the incoming tide. And sometimes my intention is simply for peace. Sometimes my intention is for medical issues. Sometimes my intentions are for other people. And then there are times that I might just wish for a cute pair of shoes that fit me. Currently, when I get to the when I get to the end of the show, I will tell you what my my newest um, intention will be because I'm, I'm formulating that as I speak because sometimes that's the way the universe works. But the important thing is that you create space in your life to set intentions whenever, however you can. The second step in setting intentions that helps you manifest the life you want is to be specific. When setting your intentions, remember that the universe responds best to specific requests and statements. When you're not clear or ramble on about your desires like I am tend want to do sometimes, you leave yourself wide open to the universe's interpretations of what you really want. For so many years, I would say, I want what is for my best good. And I didn't realize that I was getting that at the time. But when I started setting specific intentions, as I will toward the end of the show, it made all the difference in the world. If you set your intention to lose weight, you could be asking for a stomach flu that makes you sick enough to lose weight fast and gain it back faster. Worse, you could lose a limb, an arm, a leg, a toe, a finger. You could get a haircut. I, I lost a lot of weight. I, I got my hair cut, but I didn't know the power of specificity. And I got my hair cut after I lost a whole husband. For most of my adult life, I said that I wanted to lose weight because my ex-husband told me that I needed to lose weight. When I got a divorce, I lost almost 300 pounds. And then shortly after that, I went and cut off three, two and a half feet of hair. Um, but in the end, the divorce turned out to be an absolute blessing. It didn't feel that way at the time, but it was the best thing to happen to my spiritual life, my financial life, my health life, my, my entire life. Folks, it's 11, 11 in the morning. Make a wish. Right now, I want you to stop and just make a wish and turn that wish into a manifest statement. Speak it in the uh, present tense with powerful words. I have the job that will carry me through the end of my life. I am making more money than I dreamed possible. I'm selling more books than I expected to. My books are best sellers. I can maintain a work-life balance. I am maintaining a work-life balance. I have a 40-hour job with all the best benefits and can still manage my nonprofit, and write. Those are some of my dreams. 
you need to be specific. Dive into those divine details. If you want to lose weight and keep it off, a better request is to develop a healthier lifestyle that includes exercise and mindful choices. And you can ask for that. You can say, I am grateful to you, universe, God, spirit, source, whatever you call the power that be, for giving me the motivation to exercise more and the power to make mindful, healthy food choices. Don't forget, I will be taking callers at the end of the show. So if you want to call and talk about your manifest journey, here's the number, 516-418-5651. Today we're talking about how to set your intentions to lead a life that you want to lead. Our first two steps toward intention setting are to create a ritual and to be specific Our third step is one I'm usually really, really good at. Just go wild and dream big because I want it all. And there's no reason that I can't have it all. There is absolutely no reason that I cannot man. And I'll I'll tell you why. I mean, I seriously want a full-time job with benefits. I want paid vacations. I want insurance. I want to add to my retirement account. I also want to maintain my job as a full-time volunteer would be unique. And that full-time doesn't mean 40 hours a week necessarily, but I don't get paid is my point. I want to maintain my side job as an editor, and I want to maintain my life as a published author, and I want to keep writing. I want to keep um, selling my books. I want to continue and further my career as a uh, children's book illustrator. I use AI for that, but that's a whole nother story. But the reason I say this is doable is I was a little younger and life was a lot different, but I put myself as a young mother, put myself through college on an academic scholarship. And there were two stipulations to that. One second, please. I'm going to clear my throat for you. Off air. Um, the stipulations for my academic scholarship was that I must maintain a B average and I must tutor literacy for adults. I did this for years. I also tutored Spanish for my classmates and I helped them with their English papers. I worked a full-time job as a manager. I put myself through school on an academic scholarship, tutoring, not just what was required, but an extra two classes, maintained not just the B average I was supposed to maintain, but I stayed on the dean's list with a perfect 4.0 for my entire college career or university, whatever you want to call it. I got my degree. I moved on. And, oh, by the way, I had a teenager at home by the time I finished, and I had a young man in the Navy, and I was the queen of care packages for that guy. He got more care packages than anybody. He was always the first guy on mail call. 
And he got so many packages of cookies and junk food and homemade things and socks and whatnot that he shared them with others who got nothing because they had no one at home. So can I dream big and go wild? Absolutely. Because I know that I am capable of managing the life that brings me joy, not a life that stresses me out. Allow yourself to dream on a brand new, enormous, gigantic, magical level. Think about the things that would radically change your life forever. Ask for them and set the intention to make them happen within the next 12 months. Me, personally, I intend to make mine happen happen a lot faster than that. Set those intentions that are big enough to scare you just a little. Because if your intentions are too easy to attain, they aren't going to affect your life in any significant way. You want to activate the magic and know that anything is possible because it is. Imagine your dream home. Then visualize that it's been updated by 20%. What would that look like? How would that feel? Go wild. Dream big. You're only limited by your imagination. How would you feel if you could have the perfect relationship? One that challenges you and brings you peace at the same time. And I have that. Let me tell you, there is nothing more challenging than my husband. He's an engineer. And sometimes he speaks that engineer speak. And I have to stop and think, what is he actually saying to me? But he brings me peace. He makes me happy. He makes me laugh like I've never laughed in my life. And this has been going on for almost 25 years. Now, you can have this perfect relationship, romantic relationship, or as a work relationship. And trust me, I've had the work relationships that don't bring you joy. Now, when we talk about work, what would your dream job look like? For me, it's it's really simple. I want to work. Oh, no, I am working for Jacobs, who is a contractor at NASA. I have a job. This is my, this is my manifest statement. I'm putting it out there right now. I told you I'd do it at the end of the show, but I think this is the perfect time. I am working at Jacobs, where I can work as an office manager at NASA, making good money, working the hours that are best for me, getting benefits. I'll have two weeks vacation every year until I get promoted up a little farther and make more. I'll be having uh, insurance paid for through my company. They'll match my 401k contributions. And they're going to be wonderful people who love to work with me. They're going to bring me joy every day. These people are going to be buying my books, but will be inspiring me to write more. They will donate to Be Unique so that I can hire someone to help manage Be Unique. And I can still keep the organization alive without stressing out about running it all the time. And I've been taking steps toward stepping back from Be Unique and seeing how that feels, seeing how that looks. Now, the organization has grown to a point where it's pretty sustainable, minus the paychecks. So I'm going to be doing both. I'm going to be working for someone else and taking the entrepreneurial path. I'm dreaming this into existence because 
I can work on the weekends and at night on my writing and my art and my charity. So I've been inspired, and that's what I want you to do. Allow inspiration to strike and just go for it. Dream big. Go wild. Step four may be something that we've all struggled with at some point. Some have no problem at all. I know I had a problem with it for years, but it's not a problem anymore. But it is vital that you feel worthy of anything you want. You are allowed to live life on your own terms. You deserve to have it all, whatever that means to you. Now, a lot of people don't want a full-time job of managing a not-for-profit, managing an author's life, managing an artist's life, and managing an office for somebody else. I do. I love the challenge of pushing myself. You deserve to have it all, whatever that means to you. For some people, that might involve living off the land, surviving in a rustic cabin, raising all the food you need on your own, and staying as far away as possible from society. For those like me, having it all includes a five-star penthouse in the heart of the city, maybe in the suburbs, Um, pursuing promotion after promotion, driving luxury cars and attending all the best parties, wearing the finest trending fashion design. If you're like me, you fall somewhere in between those two extremes. I I want the luxury. I want some of the parties. But sometimes the parties stress me out too. I don't care about the latest designer fashions, but I do want to put out my style because that's what I deserve, and I'm worthy of that. You have nothing to prove to anyone. There's no reason to keep yourself small just to make other people feel comfortable. I refuse to make myself small. Give yourself permission to step out of the shadows and know that you deserve whatever life you want. If you struggle with self-worth issues and use this to self-sabotage, you can overcome this by employing the powerful, powerful, Of using affirmations. You can say things as simple as, I am worthy. I deserve to live the life I want. You don't need to explain this to anyone. You don't need to justify it to yourself. You just need to say it until it becomes true. Repeat your affirmations until you can rewire your brain and your heart beats with inspiration, your cells beam with excitement for the future. The more you say it, the more magic you will unlock, especially when you're setting powerful intentions that you need and want to fulfill. Say, I am worthy. I deserve what I want. And go for it. Just go for everything. Go for the gusto. And know in your heart of hearts, you are worthy. You do deserve exactly what you want. Don't settle for less. The fifth step is all about getting into the feeling space with your intentions. And that's what I'm doing with this job that I'm going. I'm going on a job fair tomorrow. 
get, I've been working on my resume. I have, I've taken years off because of uh, taking care of my, my mother as a caregiver and also working on Be Unique. I've just taken the time off that I needed to get these things going. And now that they're sustainable and my mother's passed on, I can get back into the workforce and to the world in a way that means more to me than it could have if I had just taken this job because I didn't like my other job. I'm in a better place mentally and emotionally. And I wouldn't have been able to take the job that I'm looking for if I was unhappy in my previous job. I'm happy in my life, so therefore I will be happy in this new job. So you get into the feeling space with your intentions because the universe responds to your thoughts in conjunction with your feelings. When you get into that feeling of, I want this, you get into the feeling space of what you wish to manifest. Then you actually begin an extremely powerful and sacred creation process. Start by believing that you've already manifested your desires. I already know what I'm going to wear to my first day on the new job. I have already ordered new shoes. I have a brand new shirt and a nice pair of pants. They're not brand new, but it doesn't matter. I know what I'm wearing to my interview. I already know what my first lunch is going to be when I pack it for my first day on the job. If you believe that you've already manifested your desires, you can feel the abundance, feel loved, feel creatively inspired. Try the process of emotional visualization to tune in and tap in to how it feels when your dreams and desires manifest in your life. Emotional visualization is like when I told you that I was sitting on the beach surrounded by all these ritualistic symbols. It was in my head. And I'm in my head right now. I'm telling the universe how grateful I am for this new job that I'm going to be hired for tomorrow and how much I appreciate my first paycheck and my insurance being paid for through my job and the fact that I'll be able to just run with it. And it will actually bring me more work-life balance because I'll have more of the work and less of the alone time. I need to get back into the world of people. Believe that you're worthy of having everything you want in life. Know it in your core. Feel what it feels like to deserve and to have everything you want. Now, our sixth step might be difficult for many people. It was very hard for me to learn. It's something that I've just recently learned in a very real way. And that is simply let it go. The hardest part of the process for many is letting go of your intentions and allowing them to incubate in the non-physical realm. You must let go and release it. Get out of your own way. Distraction is an extremely powerful helper with the intention-setting process because it helps to unblock some of the vibrational obstacles you place in your own way. I know for me, when I 
put my final touch on my resume and print out three copies. That's how many copies I'm taking with me tomorrow. I don't think I need more than three. That's just my magic number. I might make five. I'll have to think on that one for a minute. But when I finish with that, I'm going to do a real quick little uh, dive into the company culture, which I already know a little bit about, but I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into that. And after I finish that, I'm going to play. I'm going to start illustrating my friend's cornfield flyers of East Tennessee children's book. But you might want to consider binge-watching a show or two or setting aside the time to read that book you've always been meaning to get to. Start with wherever your bookmark is and go until you can't go anymore, either till you end the book or until you fall asleep. When you're actively engaged in entertainment and joyful activities, this releases, it releases resistance and gets us into a state of flow. Anything is possible when we're having fun. Release your attachment to your desired outcome and open up energetically even more. With practice, you can learn to navigate your energy and your emotions, which will allow you to release unnecessary resistance. Get out of your own way. Our final step is all about gratitude. Because believe me, you cannot be in a bad mood when you are grateful for what is presently in your life. And trust me, folks, I am so grateful for my books that are selling very well. I am grateful for the ability to illustrate for other authors. I am grateful for all that Be Unique has brought into my life and all that Be Unique will continue to bring into my life as it evolves into a new version of itself. That's going to be important as I go into this new job. So I've already gotten the evolution started, and I am just going to ace this interview tomorrow, and I know that. I'm going to be so grateful when I can call my husband and say they loved me. I start work on the 15th or whatever the day is. They, they have their schedule. I'm not worried about that. So <clears throat> if you can spend two to ten minutes every day writing down things you're grateful for, you will feel uplifted as soon as you start. If you can't think of anything, you know, maybe you're not like me in, in your life. You, maybe you're like I was 25 years ago and just couldn't think of anything to be grateful for. All I knew was I needed to get out of a bad marriage and didn't know what to do. But write down five things that you might take for granted that other people do not have. I've got some ideas for you. Do you fall asleep every night in a comfortable bed? Or do you sleep on the floor? Oh, you've got a floor. Do you have heat and air conditioning to make your home comfortable? No, but you've got a home. Is your roof leaking or does it protect you from the elements? Will you have to scrounge for food when you wake up or can you walk into the kitchen and make your own breakfast? Can you even walk unassisted? Well, if you cannot walk without help, who's there to help you? Can you crawl? Remember, 
when I was struggling with psoriasis and my feet hurt so much. I needed a walker. The first thing that I did was give gratitude for the friend who brought me the walker. And I gave gratitude that I was able to sit on the couch with a laptop and continue my work. I had a couch to sit on. I had a television I could watch. I could elevate my feet. There is always something to be grateful for. Can you breathe in and out right now? Are your lungs working? Are your ears listening? If you've got that, you've got more than a lot of people. You might want to try reciting the following. It, it's uh, very generic, but it also helps create this attitude of gratitude. Dear Gus, or you could just say, hey, Gus. You could say, hey, God, or be irreverent like me if you want to and say, hey, dude, you're my main man. Thank you for everything that appears in my reality. Can you see the blue skies? Skies aren't blue. Can you see the sky at all? Can you see? Are you blind? If you're blind, can you hear? If you can't see or hear, then you can't be listening to me right now. So I want you to remember that GUS stands for God, Universe, Spirit, Source. And like I said before, you can use any name you choose. Fully immerse yourself in appreciation. Truly appreciate the beautiful family and friends you share life with. Appreciate the food you eat every day. Even if you only eat one meal a day, some people don't have that. Even if you have one piece of food and one mouthful, there are people in the world who have nothing and they go for days or weeks without food. Appreciate the body that serves as a vessel for your soul. That one took me a while to understand, but it hit me hard, and I give glory and praise and appreciation and gratitude for my body every single day, and it has started the healing process for me. Appreciate this moment in time and rejoice that you are alive, well, and blessed with abundance that you don't even know about. Thanks is free, but not giving thanks can be expensive. You end up paying with your health, mentally, physically, and spiritually. When you choose gratitude, you will always, always feel happier. And that's it. These are the seven steps for setting intentions. Create a ritual. Be specific. Go wild and dream big. Know that you are worthy. Feel what it is like to have what you want and be grateful. When you create your manifestation, you're simply taking your intentions to another level. Speak into existence what you want in positive, present terms and know that you deserve the life you want. And as I promised, Here's how I would do that for myself. Thank you. Thank you, Gus, for leading me. I am typing this as I go because I'm putting action on my words because that's part of it. Leading me to my new job as office manager at Jacob's. Working at NASA, which allows me 
to create a very a, a more sustainable work life balance so that I can bless, be unique and others with my skills and talents as I continue writing my angel books and illustrating for other children's authors. And so it is. That's how you do it. Thank you, Gus, for leading me to my new job as office manager at Jacobs, working at NASA, which allows me to create a more sustainable work-life balance so that I can bless the unique and others with my skills and talents as I continue writing my angel books and illustrating for other angel authors and um, other children's authors. I'm so sorry I said that wrong. And editing on the side. There you go. And so it is. Now, if you want a transcription of this show, a transcript of this show, email manifestmondayshow at gmail.com. Or if you've got questions about how to manifest the life you want, I will be right there. And now I see I have a caller. I'm going to go check it out because I'm finished with my show. Um, hi, hi there. What is your name? It's, it's Dion. I'm sorry? It's Dion. Dion, how are you, my love? I'm doing really good. This, well, I, I mean, I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. But I'm, you know, that's been a, a high note recently. It's been a what recently? A high note. Oh, good. Yeah, things are looking up. Things are looking up. I um, I reached like a, like I got a select, like, you know, what happened to me was if somebody on Twitter liked my post and the person was very influential, and so it just kind of like pushed me up the karma ladder. You know what I mean? I feel like, you know, very good. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like kind of like being like blessed, right? Well, it is blessed. I was blessed because a high-profile celebrity liked my post, and at the same time, it like confirmed everything that I've been doing all these years and all the writing I've been doing and everything. And people, of course, you know, they were, oh, they wouldn't believe my stories. Like it wasn't true, you know? And I kept telling people, it's true, it's true, it's true. And then yesterday, oh, well, yesterday, your story is a hard one to believe, but you know it's it's really a, a great story because it had it kind of brought you into my world, and for that I'm grateful because I think I I feel like you are such a bright light in this world, even though for so long your light was dimmed, um, but you're beginning to uncover, the, you know, take the shade off the lamp so we can see it better. Yes. Yes. You get me. Thanks for getting me. 
Not everybody gets me. <laughs> you know, I always was the kind of person that uh, I felt like nobody ever got. And especially with my health, I was having so many health issues. And I, would go, I went to probably somewhere between two and three dozen different doctors. And they just never got me, never got me. And they, they would just throw a pill at me and say, here, take this. And it didn't work. It didn't fix my issue. And so I was really getting depressed and, and sad. And then I started working on this physically and, and manifesting and being more grateful. And that was what led me. I mean, I remember one day I thought maybe I'd be better off without my, my body, without my you know, I, I, it was a skin issue, so I was really, everything I touched just hurt me. And I just felt like, why, why am I even living in this body? And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, this, this is the vessel to my soul. Maybe I need to be doing something different to protect it. And I started a different journey. And that journey led me to a doctor who gets me. And she got me right off the bat. I mean, she, she just asked me, right, wait, have you ever had a biopsy done on this to find out what it is? I'm like, I never knew that it was a, an issue. So she found out exactly what my skin condition was and started working on it. And within three weeks, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm healed. I'm not, but I'm very, very close. I am healing. And I think that's because I started practicing gratitude for the things that I do have. And I started saying things like, I, I'm grateful that I have skin. That I, you know, I know people that have survived you know, big house fires, but they have no skin of their own. You know, they had to have skin grafts. And, and they don't look like normal people. They're, they're burned and, and scarred. And I am so grateful that none of that's my reality. And uh, I think that the gratitude is the key. Just like you're so grateful that that one person liked your post. You never know where that one click of a mouse button is going to take you. Yeah, it like it showed it showed every like all of my followers because I do have a large following. Like I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like I do have like I have thousands of followers, okay? And I think a lot of the times people were very skeptical because, you know, I have to say it's always a conspiracy theory because I'm not a lawyer and I don't want to go to court. So it's just easier for me to be like, "Oh, it's a conspiracy theory," you know? But, you know, to always be able to, it, okay, it was the first time in a very long time that a person of authority stuck up for me and had my back. And that just was like, oh, my God, you know, like, oh, my God, I was just like, I don't know if I want to say touched by an angel because I don't, I don't want to say like, I, you know, I don't, oh, I, I believe like I was blessed. in that. I, I believe in angels angel. 100,000%, honey. Well, I was blessed by God, and it made me feel good because I'm, you know, I've been in isolation for so long. And it's like, oh, my God, so it finally got that far. that Because, that, you know, when you're a celebrity and you have influence, you know, 
it's there's power associated to that and people look at who that person likes on their media and stuff like that so it just skyrocketed me up you know what i'm saying but you know i wanted to tell you something about your when you were talking about your health so do you know Uh who sylvia brown do you know who sylvia brown is oh i do indeed yes Okay, so I remember when I was a kid, my brother would yell, you know, Dion, Dion, hurry up and put Montel Williams on. She's on. She's on. Because, like, I, I, you know, was always the psychic, right? And I would watch Sylvia Brown on the Montel Williams show. And then when I was 19 years old, I was super, super ill. And, I mean, my dad flew me all the way to Arizona to go to the Mayo Clinic I mean, I was in the hospital. I mean, it was like this mysterious illness that was plaguing me. And so I said, well, oh, wow. I, saw an adver- I saw an advertisement that Sylvia Brown was going to go to and have, like, you could sign up to get a phone. Like, it was a camera phone, like uh, the old camera phone, like the old TV phone, and talk to her and get a reading for $100. And you had to go to the airport, and it was going to be, like, in a banquet hall. And I said, I'm doing it. So I got on the waiting list, and I got picked. And so I went there, and you got to ask. There was a big, long line, and when it was your turn, you got to go to the podium and talk to her on the, on the TV phone. And so I asked her what was wrong with me, and she knew, right? And, and, and right after that, after she told me what it was that I had, I went and bought a book on it, and then I made a doctor's appointment because she even said, this is the test that you need, this is the medication that you need, and cured me. Very, cured me. Very nice. And so um, I I only remember, like, the one other question I answered, and I don't remember the third one, but I just remember, like, I saw her, she was sitting on a couch, and she was real nice. She was like, oh, hi, honey, you know, and, and what's wrong? And I told her, you know, and she cured me. And, I mean, my dad was, like, stunned. My dad was, like, stunned because, like, he spent all this money traveling across the country to get me cured, and, like, this lady did it in 10 seconds, you know. And so, um, but, you know, not everybody believes in unicorns, but because you have to be a unicorn to be able to see the other unicorn. And so, you know, it's kind of like I just stick where all the unicorns hang out and then, you know, but we, but we, you, I caught your show right when you were saying about how it was time to get back out into the world. And yeah. it's like, I am, I, it is time for me to get back out in front of people, but at the same time, like it's, I want to just go where I know where other unicorns hang out, <laughs> but it, that's not really realistic. But um, I don't know. I just feel like for the first time in a long time, someone of power had my back because some of us have more power than other people. That's why people are put in positions of power. You know what I'm saying? It's just sometimes other like there are always going to be people who abuse their power, but this this person doesn't abuse their power. And so it was nice to be endorsed by that because it was like, oh, my God, you know, like, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of times people laughed at me just because they couldn't think that, like, fathom. They they laughed at you because you're different. And it's easier to laugh at someone that you admire than it is to change your world so that you fit into theirs. And 
I, I, you know, it's interesting because I got a validation this morning. Um, some, you, you know, being as a charity, and I've been doing work for on another author's book. I've been helping her illustrate her children's book, and I'm doing it because she's my friend. I'm not asking her for any money. And twice in the last about two weeks ago, and then again this morning, she donated money to be unique on on my behalf. Yeah. And I love she that. Said, I know. She said, "I know you're not taking any money, but I'm going to give money to your organization." And that is total validation, and that goes right along with. What I was saying, you know, it's time for me to get back into the workforce. It's time for me to rejoin civilization instead of being cocooned here in my home. And it's time to to make a, a contribution to the world again. So by by just telling the universe, this is what I want, because I, I want it all. I do. I want to be able to, to work full time and have benefits. I want to be able to continue with my, you know, my charity, and I also want to continue with my artistic endeavors. Why can't I do it all? Because the, the truth is, once I start getting money from a, a job again, because uh, the last five years I've been, uh, I, I've brought in a little money here and there for myself by freelancing, but it was very minimal. But by bringing in a more residual income, I'll be able to afford a housekeeper who can help me do the things that I have to stay home for to do anyway. So life is getting better and better and better every time I turn around. You're not like giving up on anything. You're just, you know, like something else is taking a main focus right now. You're not quitting your charity and you're not quitting your other things. You're just reprioritizing where you're, energy is being spent for right now not forever like you're always going to be spiritual you're always going to be an author you know like children's books for me i and i don't even have children but being an author i can tell you that if you're going to write a book write a children's book because adults will transition out of paper on kindles but children will always have children's books and so um, I love that you do the children's books and, you know, I mean, and in between all of that, you'll find your, your place to balance and, you know, you have to just look at it like, well, you're being called to go over here right now. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's just part of your growth. And um, I'm getting to that point too, where it's like, okay, I'm coming out of isolation. I'm relocating. Um, like we talked about on your show and it's like, okay, I got to reintroduce myself into the world. You know what I mean? And like, um, not be afraid to step back out and, um, be in, you know, in front of the, outside of the virtual office. Right. You know what I mean? And you know, my, my husband's kind of been coaching me and, and working with me, um, on this because he knows I want to get go back into the workforce and I've got a specific place I want to work and if I don't get that job then I'll just throw my resume out on Indeed and see what happens but I'm going to a job fair tomorrow and he was looking at my resume and he started asking me questions and one of the first questions was well how long and I, I thought he was just asking questions because he's my husband you know 
but he, he was taking on the role of an interviewer, and I didn't even know it. He said, so how long do you plan on working when you get this job? I said, until I am too feeble to do any, to do any more good. You know, it's not until I die. I, I want to be able to contribute. And Yeah, as long as you're serving a purpose. Yeah, and he said, oh, okay, well, because, you know, that's probably what they're going to ask you because, you know, you're 68. Why are you going back to work now? And because now's the best time for you to go back to work because you have all the wisdom. I, exactly. Somebody, I had a friend who's 10 years younger than me who said, well, I need to get a job, but who would hire me? I'm too old. And I looked at, at my resume, and I'm, I'm thinking, who wouldn't want to hire me? I am so experienced. I have so much wisdom and experience underneath me that people, they're going to be doing a, a dance to try to get me on board. And so then the next time he asked me a question, he said, well, can you explain why you waited until now to get your job, to, to go back into the workforce? Because, you know, you've been out of the regular workforce since 2012. And I said, well, as you know, dear husband, I took off a couple of years to take care of my mother because she needed, and after she died, I was faced with two more, actually three more, um, very close to me people. A very dear friend of mine, my father-in-law and a sister-in-law died within the next 18 months. And so I spent a, a little time grieving and mourning because I wouldn't want to be working for someone while I'm all weepy and sad. So I, I took some so you, time so to you grieve. Never left. You never left. You were a caregiver. And it's the best time for you to come back after you took some time to recuperate in between changing careers. And the benefit to that for a, an employer who's hiring is that you don't have any bad habits. Okay, so they're like, oh, great, look, she, you know, she's, she knows when she needs to take her own personal time, but you never stopped working, and you don't have any bad habits that they need to retrain you, like if they were trying to cherry pick you from the opposition, you know what I'm saying? Exactly, and, and Be Unique is proof of that, because the last five years, I have worked on this organization tirelessly, and because I have done, I've already put in the, the hard work. And the organization is more sustainable now. And it can, it can basically run itself. I mean, I have to still do things. And I had another friend ask me, well, how can you work a 40-hour job and keep Be Unique running? And I said, I've done ancient Chinese secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, Why I've done. I've tell done... everybody how you have a magic wand. Well, I, I told her, I said, well, I've done harder things. I put myself through school. I, I got my degree on an academic scholarship. And that means I had to maintain high grades and I had to tutor other people. And I not only kept the grades they wanted, I, I exceeded that. I stayed on the dean's list. But while I'm doing that, my, my first marriage is falling apart. And I have a, an, a nest that's emptying. I had a teenager and a young adult who was in the Navy, I was working full-time while going to school, while dealing with a marriage and, and counseling and 
doing, I was very, very involved in community activities and my church activities. So I know how to juggle and schedule time and organize and prioritize. Oh, I need to put that on my resume. <laughs> time management. No, I think that yeah. like, once you highlight, like, how well you're organized and how, like, that just shows how well you can organize or how well you're good at time management, right? Because you can exactly. be a wife and you can manage a household. You can run your charity. And, you know, you, that may be now a part-time thing, but you have other people that work for you and with you, maybe not for you, but with you. So it's not like you have to do everything day to day to day to day. You have other people that are a part of that organization, so, you know, you're just pivoting into where you believe that you're going to be moving with a purpose to serve more people right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. You might, you know, in, like, two or three years, you might be like, okay, well, I, you, you could be called in to do a project, and it only lasts two or three years, and then maybe do a different project or something. You, you never know. You know, you just know that you're being pulled into this direction and you're showing up. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, whatever you're looking for is looking for you, too. Because I will tell you that I was praying to my grandmother to bring somebody forward to show that somebody's got my back. And boy, did my grandmother show me. And so by bringing that person forward, but that person also needed my energy as like the young blood. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's always an exchange of energy. It's not like you're like, oh, I need a job and please hire me. And, blah, blah. and like, no, they, they specifically oh. are going to choose you because they need you too. It's a perfect match. They, they can smell desperation. And, I'm not desperate for this job. Uh, if I get it, great. And and the, and I was telling my husband, I said, you know, the beautiful thing is, if if they hire me, this will be wonderful. But if they don't, I've already got my plan B, C, and D in place. I know other ways that I can make more money doing other things. Yeah, being an entrepreneur is one of the hardest things anybody's ever done. And and managing a managing a charity. Trust me, I know how to do paperwork, and that's one of the when they hire you. you and it's not yes. a job. You're you're showing up for work. You're literally showing up because you're being called to do it. It's not a matter of if you're going to be hired, and it's not a job because a job is just over broke. You're showing up for work. No different than I've never been to Miami, but like I just was on the phone with my housing counselor in Miami because I just know that I'm going home. That's where my home is. And I've never even been there, but I already found an apartment. That is so cool. That is such a good feeling. And I just know that I'm going home. Just like you know that you're just showing up for work. It's going to be effortless for you. I I mean, I'm not doing any predictions or anything like that, but what I'm saying is, is when you go to that job fair and you start talking to people and they see that you're, you know, your dynamic, multi-dynamic personality, they'd be a fool to let you go. Like you're probably yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? You're going to be like bringing in the fresh water where they're so thirsty. You know what I'm saying? Like you're going to have this, you know, brand new perspective. Age is nothing but a number. You know, not everybody retires at 62 or whatever, blah, 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 you know? And so you bring to the table so much 
that somebody else couldn't bring to the table. But um, I feel like it's just going to be a fit for you. You know, like you're immediately going to be put to work. Like I wouldn't, I don't know. I just feel like from talking to you and your energy, it's like somebody's going to be just as lucky to have you on board. You know, think of all the things that you're going to bring to the table. Like you know a lot. And all in one exactly. day. And, and awesome. I feel that it's going to be a symbiotic relationship. They're going to give to me as much as I give to them. Yeah, because you're going to learn things, too. That's why we do things. That's why we, that's why we want to keep growing, because we want to keep, like, I don't know, like, redefining ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, I look back at, like, some of the things that I wrote maybe months ago, and I was like, oh, my God, I wrote that? It's so Three years ago, but it wasn't. That is one of the coolest things, Dion. When you go back and you see something that you've created, and I mean, I, there have been times that I've seen a picture come up on my like my Facebook memories or whatever. And I'm like, boy, that's a pretty picture. Who took that? And I look back, that that's a memory. I took that picture. Wow. Or. I, you know, I'll see something that I wrote that'll come back or, you know, I might be flipping through some of my files or something and I'll pick up a piece of paper and I'll read it and I'll think, how did I come up with those words? It, it blows my mind. And the book, my children's book that I wrote, that is a talk about God action. I had no intention of, I, I've got, several children's books I've written. I haven't gotten them illustrated or published yet for lots of different silly reasons. But the one that I wrote is called My Angel Book. And I, it was nowhere on my radar. The first book that I wrote was called Go With Angels. And it's a book, it's a memoir, two stories about near-death experiences and angelic encounters. And um, as far as I was concerned, I was going to write that book and I was going to sell all the copies I had, and then I was going to work on my next book. That was just the way I thought it had to be done. No, that's not how it works. Because once you open up and you accept the universe or God as something that is speaking to you, and you go, okay, I'm here. I, I hear you. I'm listening. It took me 40 years, Dion, to write my first book. I wrote the first story as a, a journal entry about one of my children, and you know, it just I just I kept adding to it and adding to it. And finally, after three different encounters, may, three at least, maybe more, with psychics or other people, including Elisa, which you know who Elisa is. Um, in fact, I'm just going to put a tag out here, our, our plug. Elisa will be here at 7 o'clock tomorrow night on Tuesday night. She comes and she does mini readings. But she was one of the people, one of the psychics that said, they're telling me to tell you to write your, to finish your book. And I'd always say, which book? And the answer was always, you know which book. And I'm like, huh? But I had, I, I, had, I had my idea. I had my timeline laid out. I knew which book I wanted to put out first. I knew which book I thought was more important. But that was not the book that was the most important. It was this book. And so then, of course, I, because I like to argue with God, I said, but um, I don't, I'm not finished. I have more stories to add to it. I'm, I'm still collecting the stories. 
And the answer came back, stop. Do it now. Do it today. Put it together. Send it out. Get some feedback. Get some testimonials. Put the book out. You can always write another one. You can always write a sequel. I'm like, okay. So I finally got or it together. Or revise it. Yeah. But, well, but I you intend- wrote it. But you wrote it. You know what I'm saying? You know how yeah. many people go, oh, I want to write a book, or I, I, I tried to write a book, or blah, blah, blah. But you actually did it. And most people don't write their memoirs until they're, like, 50 years old because you have to have enough life experience in order to write about it. And people don't realize that, like, well, I you had write to a book, realize... you have to write like 125,000 words, and then it gets edited down. So you have to put well, a, a memoir in order to make it a book. And, and well, I found out that a memoir doesn't have to be a life biography, a life story. It can be a portion of your life. And this mm-hmm. this book spans 40 years of angelic encounters, and there are others that I didn't get in the book because I didn't think of them in time or whatever. And, and as I'm reading the book now and sharing these stories with other people, because I've been going to book readings and author events and whatnot, the, when I do this, sometimes the, um, I'll have a memory. Oh, I forgot to put that story in this book. So I make a dot. So I'm going to do it like a, a second edition. I'm also going to do this book as an audio book eventually, later, whenever. But I'm also planning to do it as a large print because I've had people who have bought it and said, oh, the, the print's so small I can barely read it. I'm, I'm going to do all that. But two weeks after I had the book in my hand, I was selling it, I was inspired to write a book about angels for children. And children's books have typically come rather easy for me. I tried to write this book, and I couldn't. For two weeks, I worked on it and got nowhere. So I went and sat down, and I said, okay, God, you told me to write a book about angels for children, and yet you're not letting me see the words. Why are you holding the words back? And clear as day, as easy as I hear your voice, Dion, I heard, paint the pictures, and the words will come. And I, because I like as I like to argue, said, but I'm not a painter. And you will never believe the words that came into my head at that point. That's what Michelangelo told me, too. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, oh, my God. You are, you are saying and feeling exactly what I felt when I heard that. So I said, okay, I can't argue with that. So I'll go paint. This this was the first first of November. So wait, hold on a second. Yesterday, somebody asked me if I wanted to do, like, appear on a talk show, and I'm like, but I'm a writer. I don't know if I want to do the writing. And then you know what I I heard in my head? That's Michelangelo, um, the same thing, and Spirit told me to start painting. And so I went and got, because I'm moving, I said, well, I'll start painting the walls now. And so I just started, like, patching all the holes. That is so freaky that you just said that right now. That's amazing. There's there's no coincidence in the world. There's a reason for that. So then I started painting. Until Christmas Day, my youngest son called me to wish me Happy Christmas. 
and, you know, catch up. And so I'm, I'm saying, oh, guess what your mom's doing now? So I showed him, I sent him some text pictures of the paintings I'd done, which were elementary, we'll say, very simplistic. But I'm thinking for a children's book, they don't have to be fancy. And, and he said, those are cute, Mom. Um, have you ever thought about using AI to paint your pictures? And I said, no. Why would I? How would I? Where would I? And, and besides, I like the tactile sensation of getting my fingers dirty and, you know, have this big bunch of brushes to clean up at the end of every single day. I mean, for six weeks, that's all I did was paint every night. I, I set a timer on my phone so that every night at 10 o'clock, I would stop whatever I was working on and go paint. And wow. I'd paint for a couple of hours and then go to bed. So then he said, well, here, let me tell you. And he sent me some information about how to do, use AI and where some options were. So I started using this program called MidJourney. And it's not, it's not as easy. You know, a lot of people say, oh, AI is cheating. It is not as easy as just typing in what you want. Because trust me, you've got, I use, I was showing my friend that I'm working with on her book. We did a Zoom. And I showed her step by step what it takes to create one image. I use five different programs to get a picture that is ready for use. And the cover, I made her the cover of her magazine from four different images. I take, you know, I'd have to cut a piece of this out and cut a piece of that out and paste it. And then after you do the cut and paste and move this and move that, it's not the same picture that the robot turns out. And her family is all worried that, you know, what about copyright laws and what about uh, fair use and all this? And I said, look, I've been through this. I've done the research. I can't copyright the images from AI, but the images that I create using AI because I'm a paid subscriber I can use them commercially, and I can use them to create other images, which means they are copyrightable. Just because I don't paint them with a brush doesn't mean they're not my images. So, and what was um, the program you used for that? It's called Mid Journey, M I D J O U R E Y. It is an app that is inside another app called Discord. And Discord okay. is it's a, a a gamer chat room, basically. And so you have to go to Discord, get that on your computer, then you have to go to inside it. And um, I showed her; she couldn't believe she she thought all I had to do was tell this robot, draw me a picture of an apple. And if that's all you're doing, that's very simple. But her pictures are very complicated. Very, they're much more complex than mine are because she wants them specific, to go with specific. See, I, I was able to create the pictures, and then I created the words because I, it got to a point where I had, I don't know, a couple hundred pictures, and then all of a sudden I stopped making pictures. And I said, okay, well, let me go back and look at these pictures and see if they create any words. 
And as soon as I looked at the first one, I'm like, oh, my God, this is magic. The words just flowed. Remember, it took me 40 years to write the first book or to get it published or to get from point A to point B. The second book, four months. From the, the idea in my head to the book in my hand, I had it took four months. And now when I'm not working on her book, and I think her book has to be the next one I'm doing, that I feel very compelled to do that. Then I am working on a third book, which is going to be like a um, a guided meditation and reflection with space for journaling. So that's going to be my third book. Um, but creating this children's book is phenomenal because I'm learning even more how to use the program and I'm learning that I might have um, a future in children's book illustrations. So this is another thing that I've been learning. Even though I'm looking for another job with benefits and whatnot, getting this other job is, is going to be good for me in many, many ways, mostly in a socialization aspect. But I also have my, like I said, I got my plan B, C, and D lined up. I've already got ideas of, of what I need to do if I don't get any other work. Mm, uh, so, oh, I, I, I feel very strongly that this job is waiting for me to show up tomorrow. Position. Um, huh? You're you're going into a new position. It's it's not a. It, I mean, it's a job, but I don't see. I don't know. I just feel like it's more of like it's just it's an a position where career. you'll be working. Yeah, yeah. It's a position where you'll be you know working. What? You want to hear? Let me hear, let me tell you the funny part of this whole thing. Um, maybe three months ago, um, a woman that my husband works with, or used to work with, retired. I had heard her name for probably seven this job. He, he works at NASA, and he had this job working at NASA, and we moved closer to, to the job for him, saving him, you know, a 90-minute commute every day. So every, you know, every so often I'd hear him call her name, and he said, oh, you know she lives in our neighborhood. I'm like, no, I didn't know that. Someday you'll have to go down there with me on our bike. Let's go, let me go meet her. Well, we never did. We never did. Seven years she lived in my neighborhood. I knew about her. She knew about me, and that was it. So the day she retired, he came home from work. He says, oh, look, Barbara's retiring. I said, yeah, you've told me that before. He said, no, today's her last day. They're having a party for her down at this restaurant. You want to go? I'm like, yeah, sure. So we're on our way there. And he, it was interesting because I wear like gemstone bracelets and whatnot. And that particular day I had picked out an, an amethyst bracelet to wear. And so we, we go there and as we're on our way to the restaurant, he says, oh, by the way, I should probably tell you we're crashing her party. We were not invited. I said, what? He said, no, we were not invited. But I found out about it, so we're going. I'm like, okay, I'm all for it. Can't crash in a good party. So we ended up sitting 
um, just one seat down from her. She was there, and then my husband sat next to her, and then I sat on the other side of him. So I, we're eating, and, and everybody's talking, and they, you know, they're all talking shop. They know what they're talking about. Everybody there is a NASA employee, except for me and a couple of other spouses. So I looked across, and I saw her amethyst bracelet on her hand. And so at some point when it got kind of quiet, I just held up my amethyst bracelet toward her. And I said, you got good taste, lady. And she knew exactly what I was talking about. She said, I never go anywhere without this bracelet. So after a while, we started talking about metaphysical stuff. And then she got ready to go home. And she was standing near me, behind me. I was still sitting. This was back, like I said, three months ago, I was still dealing with my health issues and my feet were not happy. So um, she said, um, you know how people have, they don't know what else to say, so they ask you a dumb question. And so she was saying her goodbyes and somebody said, so Barbara, what are you going to do now that you're retired? And she said, Oh, I'm thinking about starting a walking routine. That was all she said. And I immediately jumped to my feet. And I walked over to her. I said, do you want a walking partner? I said, you know I live in the neighborhood. She said, maybe, yeah, let me think about it. Give me a couple of weeks to think about it, and I'll let you know. I thought that was the end of that. I had done my duty. I had spoken up, you know. Then... Two weeks later, she texts me, and because we had exchanged numbers that day, she sent me a text and she said, "I was thinking it's time to start walking. Do you want to start tomorrow morning at nine?" I'm like, "Ah, uh, well, yeah. I mean, how could I say no when I was the one who who offered?" So I walked, even though my feet hurt me every day, until I found this new doctor that has been working magical miracles with me because I changed my perspective and I started looking at my body differently. I don't know if you were on the show at that point when I was saying how your body is a vessel for your soul. And until I understood. No. So how did you fix your feet? Well, she um, looked at my, my feet. She said, you know, I think you've got two or three things going on here, not just one problem. I'm like, really? She said, yeah, let me take a sample of skin off your foot here. I'm gonna, I'll be right back. So she scraped my foot. It didn't hurt. She came back. She said, yeah, you've got fungus on your foot. I'm like, really? She said, yeah, it's like athlete's foot. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do I do? So she gave me some pills and, well, she didn't give me, she sold. Uh, she, got, she gave me a prescription for pills and uh, cream. And that worked wonders. Well, she also took a biopsy in two different places and checked it and found out that I do have psoriasis. I do not have eczema. So treating it for eczema wouldn't work. Treating it for psoriasis is the only way. So now I'm taking a different cream for that. And it's like I got brand new baby skin. I mean, I still got some of that old rough skin too. But where I've got baby skin growing is very tender and sensitive. So if I have anything wrong, putting pressure on it makes it worse. So 
I've had to listen to my body and pay attention and not do, I thought I was going to be resuming walking this morning, but um, I'm going to wait until Wednesday. I'm going to get through my, my job interview and come back with this brand new job offer. And then I'll be able to walk again. And at that point, I'll have to adjust my walking time. But I am, I am so ready to do any adjustments that need to be done. And I've told the universe, this, this, I, am, I am ready to accept whatever challenges you throw my way. I don't see them as challenges. I see them as opportunities. And accept any blessings and abundance that he also throws your way, too. I used to say, oh, this is an obstacle. Oh, I, this, I got to get around this. I got to go over this. Now I say, oh, look at this wonderful opportunity that's presented me with the option to, to think and reinvent this day and look at, look at how I can be creative and come up with a creative solution to this. It used to be an obstacle, but now it's not. Well, I can't but, wait to um, hear about how it's going to go. You're still going to host the shows, though, right? Like, well, obviously you'll be busy during the day, but maybe the nightly ones. Oh, or I'll, I'll either I'll either do it. I'll change the time to an evening, or I'll pre-record them, or what, whatever I have to do. I'm going to keep it all going. And a lot of people that I've and, and a lot of people don't know that I'm planning to do this, but. Uh, they'll ask me, the ones that do know, how can you do it all? I say, oh, trust me. I've done much more than all this. Hell, according to my first husband, while I was going to school on an academic scholarship and tutoring my peers and tutoring on the weekends and staying on the dean's list and working full time and taking care of a teenager and a younger, uh, a young adult out at sea with care packages all the time, I also had seven or eight lovers on the side. What? That was that was his delusion. But um, he, also, he figured I had room for all that. So I, I'm thinking, well, if he thinks I'm good enough to do all that, then I can add another position to my my life here. Not a problem. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing, girl. That was that was when I that was the day that I knew my marriage was over. There was no way that I could entertain that kind of insanity. And I, at the end of that conversation, I said, "I am sleeping in the recliner. Do not come touch me. Do not look at me. Do not breathe in my direction." This this was a Sunday night before my final exam. And, um Saturday, I am leaving. I said, I need a week to get my stuff together. I am out of here. And I went to work the next day, and I sat down with a, with a legal pad and a pen, and I said, God, I need, I need your help. This is what I need. This is how much I make. This is how much I can afford to spend in rent, electricity, Internet. Now, this was 25 years ago. I'm going to need a new car. I have to have some food in the house. I'm going to need, and I named up all these things that I needed, including a promotion at work. I got everything. 
and everything that I asked for, when I said I want I want to pay X in rent, I got it reduced. I want to pay X in electricity, I got it reduced. Every single thing that I asked for, I got. With the day that I went to buy a new, uh, another car, it wasn't going to be a new car, just to buy my own car, the salesperson looked at me, and he I guess he could tell I was sad. And he asked me, he said, well, so why, why are you shopping for a new car? Because I, I drove up there in a, a relatively new car, a three-year-old car, and I was going to buy like a 10-year-old car. He said, can you tell me why you're buying an older car instead of a newer car? And I said, oh, yeah, because I'm getting a divorce. And he said, would you mind if I pray with you? I'm like, no, by all means. And the funny thing is, not long after my divorce, I met my current husband. And, of course, I'm dragging my feet, and I'm like, oh, no, this is a rebound. I can't do this. He's fun, but I'm not going to hurt him, you know, so – and I, I was up front with him all the way through. And I even dated a couple of other guys to give myself some parameters, you know. And when I finally made up my mind to be with him for good, um, instead of buying me, when we got serious, I mean, it, we dated long distance for a year and a half. And then we moved in together and we started talking about maybe one day getting married and whatnot came to me one day, he said, look, I've been thinking about buying you a diamond ring. I'm like, I don't want a diamond ring. You can buy me an emerald. You can buy me a pearl. You can buy me uh, my birthstone, which is garnet. You can buy me an amethyst. I don't care, but do not buy me a diamond. I don't like diamonds. And so I said, everybody has a diamond. You know, that's just not what I want. So we talked about options. And after we had talked about the different options, he came back a couple months later and he says, hey, I've been thinking about this ring. I want to buy you a ring because I, I want us to get engaged. And I've been thinking, instead of spending money on a diamond for you, what if I paid off your car? I'm like, are you kidding? My car payment, the balance on my car is worth more than any diamond ring would ever be. He said, but you're not going to be able to wear it on your finger. You're not going to have it for 20 years. I said, oh, I will have this memory for the rest of my life. And I wow. think it's one of the greatest. To me, that says so much more because that shows his practicality. I didn't care about a diamond that had been mined with slave labor. You know? I, I have so many yeah, reasons I to not wear any jewelry anyway. And, it's like you don't uh, really, so, you know what I mean? You, I don't know. Yeah. Like when you, as you get older, your perspective on life changes. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my god, yeah. It just, it just does. It just does. It just, it's. I don't even wear jewelry really. Like right now, my rings are the are the crystal rings that are the magnetic. <laughs> yeah. You know what they the property, property? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get it. That was a huge blessing. So yeah, you you get you get lucky because um, you're in tune with um, the universe and your guides and your gifts. So you, is, your husband's probably not as spiritual as you are. Um, he's spiritual, but in a different way. Yeah. 
has his spirituality, and he loves. In fact, I'm about to run out of time. I think we're beyond the show time, and the blog talk will shut me off in about two minutes. But I'll tell you this. Okay. I'll tell you this, and I'm not, we're just going to talk. I'm not even going to play my exit. I'll, we'll just talk until the show cuts us off, and when, it's, when, it's, when you can't hear me anymore, the show's done. But um, he, um, he and I met online way before Dating Room was open, before there was no Match.com or eHarmony or any, no Tinder, any of that stuff. So... I met him on a program called ICQ, and it's just the three letters, ICQ. And I started using that program because my brother, my baby brother, had moved with three young children from, he lived in Maryland, and he moved out to Nevada with the military. His wife had left him, and he had three, I mean, the baby was probably six months old. And um, he kept calling me, and this was in the days of long distance before cell phones, kept calling me for motherly advice. And, and in fact, before I realized that my marriage was completely over, I had entertained the idea of taking a leave of absence from my marriage, basically, to move out to Nevada to become my brother's nanny to help me with his three small kids. Um, and then my, my ex insisted, no, that wouldn't work because apparently I was such an irresistible catch that my brother would basically, he thought my brother would whore me out to his very friends. And my brother would never do that because uh, my brother saw me as a secondary mother to him. He's 10 years younger than I am. Anyway, he said that, um, he called me up one day. He said, hey, there's a program I want you to download on your computer that will let us talk to each other. It'll be chat. It'll be texting. or talk, Text, I don't think, was even invented at that time. He said, we'll just be writing to each other. But we can do phone calls if we have to. But we can do it through the Internet. And this was back in the days of dial-up. So AOL I just used with the CD-ROM. Yeah. So I... Um, you know, my bro- I used that exclusively for a long time for my brother. And my brother said, did you know you could do, like, random chats and talk to other people? I'm like, no, but why would I? He said, Mary, come on. He knew what was going on with my marriage. He said, just, you know, just check it out. Talk to another woman about what's going on. And I did. I, I made good friends. I made real good women friends. But I made a couple of men friends. And there was this one guy that I talked to. I never knew his name. I just knew his online name, which back in those days, you never used your real name. And um, he and I talked for a while, and we got disconnected. And so I reached out maybe, I don't know, um, I think it was about a month after, my, my, after I left my ex. But I was still not divorced. I was still in the separation phase. But I had left him. And I just reached out to this guy again, and I didn't know there were probably a thousand people with the same nickname. And so I asked him, you know, I, I brought up some some things that we had talked about in the conversation. I said, are you the same guy with the same name talked about blah, blah, blah? Well, most of the people that I talked to were like, no, but I could be, you know, yeah. Come on, Mama, what you talking about? And, but my, my husband, Curtis, 
said that he started to say no, but whatever you're smoking, send me some. But he stopped. He stopped. Because he thought he thought it was the craziest damn thing to, to even ask about. So what he did is he he said that his his deceased mother spoke to him and said, "Be nice to this woman." And so his response was, "No, I'm not the guy you're looking for." But that sounds like a good idea for a sci-fi movie. And I like sci-fi. So for three or four months, he and I wrote a sci-fi story, loosely based and we um, we just talked and talked. And then finally, after about three or four months, we started getting personal. Well, what's your name? What are you doing? What? Why are you online? You know. So we built a, a relationship, and we still were just online friends. And one day he told me that he wanted to meet me for lunch. And um, he was living in Florida. I was living in South Carolina. We were six hours apart, six and a half or so. And he said he'd like to meet me for lunch. And I told my 19-year-old, when I told my 19-year-old son that I was leaving his dad, he said, I'm coming with you unless you tell me no. But I'm not staying here without you. I'm like, no, no, you come with me. So I told him, I said, you know, that fool who I've been talking to from Florida wants to meet me for lunch. And Matt said, Mom, you should go. I'm like, no, you don't go around meeting up with people you talk to on the Internet. That's just wrong. And my son said, you know what, Mom, you're absolutely right. You should be careful. There are people like you on the Internet. I'm like, you little shithead. How can you say that to your mother? He said, think about it. If you're talking to him, he said, I watch you. When you're on the line with him, your face lights up. You just glow with uh, radiations. He said, you never looked like that when you were with Dad. I said, but this is all just silliness. He said, so go find out. So we started dating long distance, and we did that for another 18 months or so. And then we moved in together, and life has been great since then. We we picked Atlanta, actually. He he got a job offer. He was, like I said, he was in Florida, and I was in South Carolina. So we met in Atlanta that and started our life together there. And I don't regret a minute of it. Oh, that's and that's, awesome. when I when I told my mom what I was doing, she said, I've raised you to be a woman of character and integrity and to know your own mind. She said, I think this is sudden because she had not met him yet. I had I I kept him a secret basically. She said, I hope one day you'll let me meet him. But for now, I'm gonna tell you to be good to be yourself and to remember that you always have a home to come back to if things go sour. And they, there's, there have been some moments that I thought, what the heck am I doing with this? Because he's 15 years younger than me, Dion. And I'm like, what is this? What is going on? You know, now that I'm older and he's older, 
that age difference doesn't seem so severe. But when he was 28 to my 42, or whatever the number was, you know, he was in his late 20s. I was in my mid-40s. I'm like, oh, my God. But it all works out the way it's supposed to. It all works out the way it's supposed to. If you listen and follow your instincts and follow your gut. And um, as far as manifesting, my sister kept asking me, did you pray for him? I said, nope. I just manifested him into my life. And I didn't know that that's what I was doing because I kept saying that I wanted someone who was spiritual, not like my first husband. Yeah, but someone... at, what age, at what age was it that you met him, can I ask? But like, you don't have to tell me the exact age, but, like, what part of your life did you meet him? Because that's a huge factor, too. Like, it took a long time to be. I was in my mid for early to mid-40s. Right. Because it takes a lot. Okay. In my experience, it took me a long time to realize that it's like when you're looking for the one, you're, you are the one. You're looking, if you're looking at for a companion or to couple up, that's a different story. But looking for the one will always elude you because you are one. It's the other person that makes it a two. And so it took me a long time to realize that I didn't have to do anything special except for just be open to it, you know, and like in, in God's timing. I used to be so mad that I was always by myself for a lot of things, and it's just Life's not always fair, or God didn't no. give you that person at that time, or whatever it is. It's just better when it just happens. Well, you know what's really magical about our relationship is we give each other space. But I mean, we want to be together, but we don't need to be like a human thong to each other. We don't need to be up each other's butt every minute of the day. My first husband, because he was so distrusting, and my mother said that that was because he was already cheating on me, um, and I didn't know it. And it makes sense. He used to have me followed so he'd know where I was at all times of the day. And he used to just pop by my job to visit me for no reason. And... I don't know how he managed to do that when he had his own job to take care of, but he just didn't he didn't think about anything but himself and, and trying to catch me doing something wrong. But he, um, I should have known, the day we got married, or well, before we got married, he asked me to make sure my wedding dress had a train on it because he, this is what he said. When we're at the reception, I want to be holding your train for you so that nobody can make us, so nobody can separate us. He said, I don't want people to come and take you away from me. And I should have known then. And he literally walked like a half a pace behind me. He had my, my wedding train crumpled up in his hands. And... um. Curtis and I have separate offices in our house. We do our, our work. Now, he works away from home, and I will be soon, very soon, working away from home too. But he, um, like on the weekends, 
he'll be in his office and I'll be in my office or he'll be outside doing work or in the garage doing something. And I'm in the house doing whatever I want to do. If I want to go to a girlfriend's for lunch, that's something I will miss when, when I get my full-time job, but I'll, ha- I'll create new girlfriends. I'm not going to worry about that. But um, right now, if I want to, in fact, I'm going Wednesday, I'm meeting a woman um, who wants some mentoring, and I'm going to go talk to her and have lunch with her. She and I, um, you know, I can just pick up and go, and it doesn't matter if it's an hour for lunch or if it's four hours for lunch. It doesn't matter if it's while Curtis is working from home or working at his, he works from home uh, two days a week and get a three he works at the office. Um, but it doesn't matter. He doesn't say, where are you going? When are you coming back? Who are you going to be with? He just, you know, wants to make sure, let me know that you're there safely, especially if I'm driving for an hour or more. Let me know if you get, when you get there safely. That's it. And same with him. He goes to, uh, he, he's a car freak or car aficionado is a better word. He goes to car meets all the time. And it was so funny because Thursday he said, oh, we're doing a car meet tonight. I just found out about it. Um, and he knew at that night I'd, I'd already gotten myself. It was like seven or eight at night. And I was already done for the day. I had put my feet up and I was chilling out with the cat on the couch. And so he said, I know better than to ask you, but if you want to change clothes, you're more than welcome to come with me. And I'm like, no, are you kidding me? And so he goes and comes back much later and um, he walks in the door and I, I it dawned on me, this is Thursday night. Why were you having a car meet on Thursday night? He said, oh, I should have told you. He said, but it was the Fast and Furious show uh, premiere, or they did the first show tonight. So we had a car meet outside of the theater. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't care, you know, because I trust him. And he doesn't follow up behind me because he trusts me, and that's the key. Did I lose you, Dion? I'm here. Maybe I put you to sleep. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I, I'm here. I'm listening. Uh, we're, we, yeah. we are down. I'm watching the counter on the clock. We're down to one minute now. So. Well, keep us posted on what happens. Like, I'll, I'll try to tune in tomorrow to Alicia's show. It's just I like to listen on the on the phone instead of using the data on the Internet because it drains yeah. my battery. You know what yep. I mean? So I do like to call in. I don't always need readings or whatever. Okay. Well, I'll just... I, I just um, like to listen to your shows. Cool. Well, I know that tomorrow night I won't be talking uh, unless I, uh, I... I doubt that they'll give me the job offer on the spot. They usually take a day or two to do that. But um, they might. I know when, when Curtis... The funny thing is Curtis works for the same company but in a different department. And he would be in a different building. But he... Um, had the quickest job interview with them seven years ago. They called his name, and within 15 minutes, he was done. And I said, well, that was either a very good interview or a very bad interview. All right, well, I see we're down to 10 seconds. So, well, um, just let it go. Good luck. Huh? Good luck. Good luck. Thank you. I'll talk to you, Bart, you know, briefly tomorrow. Bye-bye.